I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas Studios. Every race has winners. Come get your share. This is the Press Box. And it's neck and neck in the home stretch. The jockeys are tiny. The horses are big. Suspiciously big. Unnaturally big. Well, let's just say if you like your performance enhanced, we've got you covered. With Grady and Bischoff. Dramatically fewer fixed races. Not none, but that's why they call it gambling. On ESPN Las Vegas. We don't foresee any problems, but we'll admit it was a last-minute decision that didn't get discussed with the whole team. Here we go. It's Ed, Tyler, and Danny back in action. I know it was not intentional, but I very much enjoyed that. After three years of you telling me that you would not be here if the Padres eliminated the Dodgers, yeah, you weren't actually right. here. Yeah, it was not <laughs> on Monday. Um, and I know it wasn't. It was a pre-planned trip. Yes. It wasn't a hey, yes. I'm just not showing up. But I very much enjoy that. That's how you managed to pull that off. I'm going to be putting it all in perspective for you. All so, in per- oh. So we put the bye week always to a trip to Zion, always because we love Zion so much. I did not, and this is, I don't know, it wasn't on purpose because you, the bye week falls where it falls, so you can't, like, predict it's going to fall when the right. Dodgers played the Padres in the playoffs. You have no idea. But because we were in Zion and we try to get away from everything and clear the minds and just, you know, being one of the most beautiful places in the world and some of the most beautiful hiking in the world, I did not watch one pitch really of those two games. Wow. Not one pitch. Our TV did not get live TV, did not see news, did not see any college football, uh, did not see one pitch. I even told my buddy, Mark Ziegler, who wanted to text me throughout the game because he is on my side of this coin. <laughs> he lives in San Diego, cannot stand the reaction of Padre fans and and, and many uh, others there. Um, I said, don't even text me. Don't want to know because it'll just ruin, if they're losing, it'll just ruin the vacation. So wait, wait, wait. When did you find out? Like, how did you find out? I purposely waited till I knew it was over, and then I, t- I, I uh, went online, not online, on my phone to see the final score. So you did see it the same day. I saw the final score right, the same day, right. yes. But I did not see one pitch. Now, then he, I said, okay, I know. So he texted me a few things about how it happened or what happened, um, you know, taking Anderson out, and you know, just little things like that. But by then he knew... I was so depressed. There was no reason to start texting me. <laughs> so it ruined like the he vacation. Yeah, anyway. like he wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna say, "Hey, in the first inning, this happened," or they had a three zero lead and they blew the lead and all that. So I read some stuff afterwards, but no, I did not watch one pitch. I don't think I could have done that. No, the I whole the whole idea of like clearing the mind. My mind would have been in one place the yes. entire time. Like I would have. Been, it would have been the opposite of me. Well, me. I was watching the clock and guessing when it was over. But I took my time to where I knew unless it was a good thing it didn't go to eighteen innings. Right. Unless it went to eighteen <laughs> innings, then it was gonna be over. So yeah, did not watch one pitch. I want I was so depressed that they lost. I almost if you gave me a choice, I might have actually wanted to watch the Alabama football game more so when I found out what had happened there, That's I was came, the, I was watching those scores on my phone, like college football scores. I might have wa- chosen to watch that instead of the Dodgers. It was a phenomenal game. Alabama, yeah, I mean, just Tennessee. watching the score, I'm like, okay, this must yeah. be incredible. And then the more I looked at the phone, the more in trouble I got. So um, <laughs> that's not what we're here for. It's to clear the mind. It's to have nothing to do with sports. Um, so, yeah, that was that. That was that. Not one, not one inning. The first bite.
Should the MLB change the playoff format? Can I even have an opinion about this, given my team just lost after having the wow. bye and the five days off and not being able to come through in their in their first playoff series? You'd be the only Dodger fan to not have an opinion yeah, on I it. Yeah, I know. Because I've read a lot of that stuff. This is, this is the part that has been – it's blown me away how much we've seen this. Dodgers, best record in baseball, go out in the NLDS. And it's the first year where the wild card format was changed to where there are three wild card teams and there is a three game wild card series before the division round, which means if you are one of the top two teams in the American League or the National League, you get five days off from the end of the regular season until your first playoff game. But these are I'm just going to read some of the different opinions that have been out there. Um, An editor for the L.A. Times wrote If there was ever a case for canceling the playoffs and awarding a championship to one team because it was so clearly better than all others, the 2022 Dodgers would be it. Um, Buster Olney wrote that the highest seeds should be allowed to choose a buy or not and then pick the two other playoff teams on their side of the bracket. Dave Schilling, who's also with the LA Times, he tweeted yesterday, baseball had the best postseason format in all of sports for almost 70 years. The team with the best record in the National League played the team with the best record in the American League in the World Series. We had the Dodgers win 111 games, one of the best regular seasons we've ever seen, then get eliminated in four games by the Padres. And all I have seen argued about in baseball for the past three days is how they need to change the playoff format because the Dodgers blew it. I don't understand how that's the conversation and not about how the Dodgers blew it instead of, oh, it's this unfair playoff format that caused the Dodgers to lose. I'm with you. What did the Astros do? Swept the Mariners. Yes, swept the Mariners. They had their five days off. I'm not going to, I'm not sitting here and say they changed the playoffs. Let me ask you this, though. Would you, and again, this is, I guess it's an excuse because they lost to the Padres, but whatever. I mean, uh, I was going to make one ex- eventually. <laughs> would you, <laughs> would you reseed after the first round? Uh, no, but I, that, that to me is not a big deal. I probably wouldn't. I like the idea of a fixed bracket and you know exactly okay. what your That's path fine. is going to be. It's throwing it out there. Right. That's cancel or, you know, canceling wild cards in elegance AL. That's not, you know, that's not uh progressive in any sense. Um, I like the wild cards. They had five days off. They couldn't do it. The Astros did it. Other teams have done it. We'll see what the Yankees do. Um, other teams got past it, so they just blew it. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's just the base, b- bottom line is they went in, they won the first game. Um, I did watch the first two games. They could have won the second game. They blew it. The idea that, oh, they're rusty because they had five days off. They, they won, won the game one. Game. Yeah, they won like, game one. <laughs> they If you were, were going to be rusty. Then you get swept. You lose in game one. Right. But they won game one. No problem. So, like, the idea that you're rusty, okay, I'm not I'm not buying into that. The idea that any other idea here, to me, is ridiculous, right? Like, oh, it's a five-game series instead of a seven-game series. They lost three out of four. Like, even if it was a seven-game series, they're down three to one. Right. And right. the way seven-game series are structured, they're down three to one playing one more in San Diego that they have to win just to get back to LA, to LA for six and seven more teams have come from behind three, one in baseball than, than any other sport that we have. But like, 
you're down 3-1 in that situation, you're still probably going home. You've got to win three straight. And granted, they could do that, but you're still probably going home in that scenario. I'm I'm just blown away that the main narrative from the national perspective is that, oh, do we need to tweak this playoff format? Is it the playoff format's fault and not about how the Dodgers lost? Like the, the best team in baseball lost, and it's not about the actual result. It's about, oh, did they get screwed by well, the Well, a few of these homers from the Times. They are, yes. I mean, they're homers. The the one editor from the LA Times, like, it's it wasn't, it was like, hey, I'm a Dodgers fan, and this is just my, right. like, four-paragraph opinion on what the hell's going right. on. It wasn't like a, hey, whatever, but... That's the, I I will say that was put out before the Dodgers were eliminated. That was put out before game four of that series. When they were down two one. Right. And then all of like, if you just click on the tweet and scroll through it, it's most people mocking that opinion about, Hey, just award the team with the best record, the world series. But the other part is Dodger fans actually like adopted this on Twitter. The amount of Dodger fans that I would see reply to these tweets and be like, that's right. We got screwed. That's not a surprise. It's unbelievable to me that that's the conversation. Just like, ah, really? it's, it's not about it. With fans? Well, this, some of these are media. Well, quite, I mean, Olney's obviously well-respected nationally. Um, Buster is. Uh, what do you think of his thoughts? They get to choose to buy and then pick the two teams on their side. So I would love that in every single sport that we play. Every single sport allow the best team to pick their opponent. It would create an extra level of drama, an extra a, a new TV show, right? The manager of Dave Roberts and Dusty Baker. Here you are on FS1. Pick your first right. opponent, right? It'd be great. So i all on board with that being a part of any playoff uh, scenario we have in American sports. I think it'd be cool because I'd also think you'd give a lot of motivations to the oh, teams you play. I mean, 100%. Like, oh, really? You don't want the Padres? You don't want the Phillies? Yeah. Oh, 100%. You'd walk in there and be like, ah, who do you want? And then would be like, oh, they want to play us. Let's go right. in their exactly. season. So that would be great. Would be tremendous television. But as like an excuse or as a, the, it's a, Hey, the best team in the sport lost. What do we need to do to fix the format instead right, of, Hey, right. the best team in the sport lost. They why, did they, why did they blow it? Or why did the Padres finally right. upset the Dodgers? Right. right. That to me should be the conversation. Yes. Not, Oh yeah. How do we change? No, the they, format? they blew this. They blew it completely. So I don't know. It's, it very much seemed like, there were a lot of people. I guess I'm not surprised. There were a lot of people, whether it was media, whether it was media that are Dodger fans, or whether it was Dodger fans, that felt like, or they, the way they tweeted, the way they presented opinions, made it seem like they felt the Dodgers were entitled to going to the NLCS. Yes, exactly. And yeah. that's the part that's just, it's like, oh, the format screwed them. They should be in the NLCS right. when... They lost. They lost three or four to the Padres. Yeah. They had a three nothing lead with nine outs to go in their elimination game and gave up five runs in yeah. an inning. Hassam Kim and Jake Cronenworth had the big hits in the seventh. It's not like into the roster or into the lineup type of guy. I know Kim was leading off, but into the lineup type of guys that are out here not delivering the big hits, right? So it's just you know, go win it. Be great. Um, how much have you dealt with Padre fans? Because I know your big fear is, uh, is Padre fans. I've stayed fans. away. Okay. I got a couple texts from Padre fans. <laughs> I read, I, I'm not going to lie, I read a lot of stuff. I read a lot of media from San Diego who are very happy the Padres advanced um, and showed that, showed that through some of the tweets um, and some of the stories. So they got caught up in it a little. But that's, 
again, that's my one problem with Padre fans. And now it's on the fl- look. It's on the flip side too. We just read a lot of Dodger media. We just read. I've read the Dodger fans' excuses and they're whining. So it's on both sides. So maybe I can't you know, talk much about Dodger or Padre fans because the Dodger fans the same way, although they're opposite now because they're whining about it. Um, but let's see if, let, let's see if they can beat the Phillies. Let's, let's see if the, that wasn't so emotional for them that, you know, they spent everything beating the Dodgers because that was their whole, you know, slay the dragon up North. That was a huge headline in the San Diego paper. That's what the owner of the Padres said. We've got this dragon up here. We have to slay this dragon. And they put so much into that. It will be interesting to me how they play against the Phillies because they put so emotion, and that was their Dodgers have beaten them four out of tw- fourteen out of twenty. The last four or five years, it's been ridiculously one sided, like to where it's stupid with the number. So we'll see how they play against the Phillies now if they bounce back. But tell this to Padre fans: now you got to win it all because only one team's remembered. If you don't win it all, then what'd you do? Love beating the Dodgers. Okay. Like, like, in a, in okay. A, I mean, yeah. Like, no, that's that. And that's that's why I say that's why I'm interested to see with this Phillies because is that it for them? Well, so if you're a Padres fan and you live in California, and let's say the Padres lose to the Phillies, how many Phillies fans do they know? Probably not. Oh many, no, they're still so celebrating the, the Dodgers. The actual in-person conversations are going to be oh, well, we'll, beat the Dodgers. Well, yeah, we beat the Dodgers, even if they lose to the Phillies or lose in the World Series. Even in San Diego, in the media, the last few days which is amazing to me, a lot of, if not a majority of the stories have been about being Dodgers. And you did that right. like two days ago. <laughs> like, you're about to start another series tomorrow. Don't you think your fans want to know something about the Phillies? Do not care about the Phillies. It's, it's amazing. No. Not until they will care about Bryce Harper when the Dodgers trade for him at some point, and then they'll care about <laughs> beating Bryce Harper. Right now, they do not care about beating Bryce Harper because they beat the Dodgers. Here's Tim Hill's comments. Here's this. Here's, here's what happened in the 34 minutes of the five-run inning. I mean, every story has been about the Dodgers where you're about to start another series It here. reminds me a lot of college football in the South where, like, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, right? They play each other every year, biggest game on both team schedules. If at the end of the season, let's say Mississippi State is 8-4, and four, goes to a bowl game, Ole Miss is 5-7, and seven, doesn't go to a bowl game. But beats them? If Ole Miss beats Mississippi State, that's legitimately all that matters, right? Like, in that scenario. Now, neither team's actually, I mean, Ole Miss is in the top 10, but neither team's actually playing for a national championship ever. So they don't really, it's not really a ah, national championship or beat Mississippi state. It's always the Gator bowl or win the egg bowl. Right. So it, it very much reminds me of that where it's so localized and you're so like, you see people of that that are fans of your biggest rival every day of your life that that can be a bigger deal than actually right. going on to win the whole thing. It's similar to UNLV and UNR football. Yes. All the talk is get the cannon. That's yes. the talk the entire season. Great. UNLV has literally never played for anything else in football. So true. <laughs> that is the only thing that has ever mattered. All right. Coming up next, we'll jump into some Raiders as they are going to lose one of their best players for at least the next three receivers to the left. Ryan throws down the near sideline looking for Alec Pierce. He's got it. Touchdown. Touchdown. Alec Pierce spikes it into the end zone. Jackson hands it to Drake. He's got a hole. He's for 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Kenyon Drake. And the Ravens strike first with 9.26 to play in the opening half. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. Who's that Kenyon Drake guy? Who's that? Oh, yeah. 100 plus yards. I remember his name. 
Uh, so yesterday, the Raiders put Nate Hobbs on IR. Uh, he had surgery to repair a broken bone in his hand. Going on IR means you have to miss at least four weeks. So if he is healed up and good to go, he could come back after four weeks. If not, obviously, he would miss more time than that. The big news or the bad news for the Raiders on this is that if you go by pro football focus, Nate Hobbs is their second best defensive player so far this season. Only Max Crosby has a higher grade. Um, he's the 29th best cornerback by PFF so far. So first off, if you look at the options to play corner, uh, they play three, right? There's a nickel corner that's on the field for the majority of the snaps already. Rocky Asin and Amik Robertson are the only two cornerbacks besides Nate Hobbs on the roster that have played at least 100 snaps this year, and they've both played over 200. The next two, just in terms of total snaps played, are Sam Webb and Anthony Averett, but they're both under 50. Averett was hurt, and he's eligible to come off IR. Both of them, though, have bad pro football focus grades as well. Do the Raiders have a good option internally? to play corner for the next four weeks of the season between either Sam Webb or Anthony Averett. Any idea what Amik Robertson's grade is? Uh, it seems like he's made some plays and played fairly well for a guy who in the preseason didn't even know if he'd make the roster. Isn't that fun? Did we know who anybody was going to make the roster besides the ones that got the big contract extensions? Yeah. <laughs> he's He was definitely on the bubble. Uh, so... So far this season, Amik Robertson is the, let's what is that, sixth highest graded defensive player for the Raiders. Uh, uh, 65.8 okay. is All his right. grade. So he's been decent, but not spectacular. A 45th out of 108 cornerbacks so far okay. this season. So like average. Yeah, you're that's you're perfectly acceptable as an NFL cornerback if you're 45th. And by the way, Rock Yassin is 44th. So they Rocky Essence higher than him? One spot higher, yeah. So they're basically right there. Two average corners. Right. And with Nate Hobbs, who's in the top 30, you basically have two average and then one above average corners. Right. For your three corners, that's that's pretty good, right? You're not going to be the best cornerback group in the league, obviously, but you're not going to get torched on a regular basis. When you lose the best guy, and now you're replacing him with somebody who's played less than 50 snaps this year, I, my big fear here is that there's going to be a big drop-off. Now, obviously, the schedule's a little bit lighter. They play the Houston Texans and Davis Mills in uh, this week, so it's not like you're going up against Mahomes all of a sudden. But it does feel like there's going to be a step back here unless Chandler Jones shows up. It's a great point up front. Get more pressure. Help those guys in the back end. Help Crosby out a little. Yep. Max Crosby has been phenomenal this season, has been great. Chandler Jones, we've had uh, one game, one half against Kansas City. I where, think, it, yeah, I where think he his best good. game was last game. Right. Was really good in the first half, kind of disappeared in the second half. And outside of that, hasn't really done a lot. Like before the Kansas City game, McDaniels was walking around being like, ah, well, he's doing stuff that doesn't show up right. in the and box. The, and score. Stats doesn't just show up in stats. And it's like, that's nice, but. He's one of the highest page edge rushers in the NFL, right? right. You went out and got this guy and gave to him get a big to the contract, right? You didn't give him a big contract because, oh, he drew a holding call once a right. game. Give him a contract because he's going to get sacks. He's going to disrupt plays. And until the first half of the Kansas City game, he hadn't really done that. And so it goes back to sort of the same conversation we had at the start of the year. If Crosby and if Chandler Jones, Chandler Jones. can create the pressure, it alleviates... What a lot of what the corners to have do. to do. Right. And 
if they can do that, you're not going to notice as much that Anthony Averett or Sam Webb or Jonathan Abram is on the back end covering, covering guys people. down the field. But if it's just Crosby doing it and Chandler Jones is not getting the quarterback anymore, now you're in trouble. And that I think is sort of the big fear when we look at this um, easier run of games where the Raiders at one and four need to rip off a four or five wins, right? They need to go four and two or five and one over the next six, something like that. When you don't have one of your best players for most of, if not all of those games, it, you start sort of looking, all right, where do you make up for that? And the answer should be Chandler Jones, but I'm, are you, do you think it happens? I I'm not convinced. I mean, he hasn't shown it's going to happen. Right. And I also will preface this with, I did not know Nate Hobbs was going on IR when I said five of six. <laughs> so I'm going to come back and say four of six. And oh, four come and on. Two. You're already backing off? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How did I know this was going to happen? Come on. He said, didn't I'll he? I'll stay with it. He broke, you, he broke yeah, his he hand. Yeah, he broke his hand, but he kept playing. So I assume, like, all right, they'll cast him up. <laughs> guys have played put with that in the past. Put a on his hand? Yeah, the guys have played with that in the past. They put the casts on and played it. I mean, look, not I, I. he had a, he had surgery, so it was obviously very serious. I'm not saying he should have played, but I kind of made the five and six prediction when he went out and st- kept playing. We've but I'll seen, stay with it. We've seen linebackers with just a cast and so much tape that looks like they have a club on they their arm. They have a club, right. Have we seen a corner with that? Because I would love to see a corner just in the breaking half up against Kansas City, just breaking up passes with a giant club on your hand, like just hilariously large, right? Like not just I oh, put a little cast and it's like a few inches bigger than your hand. Some I just big want, like, club, right? Just breaking up every pass with a club <laughs> on your hand. You're not going to get any picks, but you're going to no, break. But you're going to break so up a passes. lot, and you might hit a guy in the head. And you get a flag. I'd love all of that. Be phenomenal. Um, the one other bit of Raiders news. Devontae Adams, uh, according to Tom Pelissero, is unlikely to be disciplined by the NFL until the legal situation plays out. This is from uh, when he shoved the photographer at the end of the Kansas City game. Police report was filed by the photographer. The NFL, though, is not expected to do anything until that legal process is finished. Isn't this what they always do? Sometimes. Not all the time. Um, You know, Deshaun Watson got suspended. I guess the criminal side played out, but the civil side did not play out in that instance. Um, I, I don't feel like this is a wrong move by the NFL. This seems like this is what the NFL should do in this scenario. It, I don't know. I say that and I'm already disagreeing with myself. No, I don't think so. I, I agree with you. I think it's a weird situation. We, I mean, the charges were filed. We don't know what's going to come of that. He has a court date. Um, I kind of sit back and see what comes of this in terms of charges and how far this really goes. I feel, I still think he's going to suspend it for a game. You think so? I think he's going to get suspended for a game. Would he get suspended if it happens next year? If the if they're waiting for the legal process to play out, oh, it might not play oh, out till I'm the until the season's over. I thought you meant if it, I, I misunderstood what you said. Yeah, like if they wait for the legal process to play out and it plays out in April, would they suspend him for week one of the season next year? They I might. I think the longer this goes, the less likely they are to suspend, they suspend him. him. Yeah, I think if this if this is like ah, oh, this is going to take until March or April. He's, I don't think he gets suspended for a game next year. Well, it could take that long because if the criminal part doesn't go, you know he's going to file a civil suit Yeah, if so, he hasn't already. It's, uh, I, I, I think Adams is playing every game the rest of this season just because if they wait, it'll probably somehow get delayed long enough so that it doesn't actually impact this season. And if they do suspend him, it'll be something that happens next year. All right, coming up next, David Roth joins the show. We're happy to talk to him. He just seems happy to talk to anyone. David Roth from The Defector is with us on the Press Box. 
subscribe to the distraction on stitcher and use the promo code distract for a free month of stitcher premium hello david i feel like this is going to be a little odd because the mets got eliminated from the playoffs so quickly that we didn't get to spend that much time with you about it yeah i'm always happy to go back over uh really (laughs) crappy times i had recently so uh (laughs) they play it's gonna it's weird to like look back at it they played one fewer game than the braves and the dodgers did uh, like I can see, I, I'm not personally one of those people that's mad about how the playoffs are, are working out, but yeah, I feel like it barely happened. You know, like we had one good game and then, uh, there were two games they were barely in. Uh, like, if it wasn't for the ear thing, it would pretty much already be gone. Oh, the ear thing was great. So thank goodness. Le- let me ask you about the playoff format. Why is it that after the Dodgers, and I guess you can throw the Mets and the Braves in there as well, but after the Dodgers get eliminated in four games that the conversation seems to be more about, is this the wrong playoff format than about how the Dodgers blew it or how the Padres won that series? Yeah. It's kind of disappointing, right? Because the Padres are, I mean, at this point they've beaten a 101 win team and a 111 win team and barely broke a sweat doing either of them. So that suggests that there's something there to talk about. If you wanted to talk about baseball, I guess it's sort of still a testament. I think if, the Guardians can finish off the Yankees today, which I, I don't think they can. But if that happens, then we're going to get another cycle of this because you could sort of start to see it happening in New York media. Um, John Heyman wrote a story about how like baseball needs a, a marquee team in the postseason. Like The idea being that uh, no one would watch if it was just the Astros playing one of the National League teams. And I think that's stupid. Um, I don't think that's true at all. But I do think with the Dodgers, I can almost understand it because they were so much better than any other team this year and have been so much better. Like, this was something that I read at Baseball Respectus that's really stayed with me. If I said it on this show before, I apologize. They've been averaging 99 wins. Like, they've been playing at a 99-win pace for 10 years. Like, it makes sense that it's weird that the Dodgers have only won one World Series during that time and that it was the Mickey Mouse one, right? Like, it's <laughs> bizarre. And yet, it's still, like, it's baseball, you know? Like, I don't know what to, to say about it beyond the fact that, like, I don't know how you would build a roster on purpose to play the way that the, you know, Padres have played in the postseason or to play the way that, like, the Guardians have played. Like, you wouldn't do it. You would build, if you had the resources and the wherewithal, you would build the Dodgers over and over and over again. It's just that October's stupid that way. It's not going to mean that people aren't going to get, you know, blamed for it or whatever, but I feel like once you sort of accept that the playoffs are dumb and dumb things happen in them, then, like, you're not necessarily going to be happier. Like, we can go back to talking about the Mets if you want proof of that. But it's also, like, that's just how it is, you know? Like, I don't know. I don't know what to uh, tell poor Keith Olbermann to calm him down about this. So there's two things I want to ask you in terms of you said you don't mind what's happening in the playoffs, but there's two points I want to ask if you'd even consider it. Would you reseed? That's the only one of the uh, things that I think makes sense to me. I think that in terms of how they stacked the, you know, like, the three-game series where you're playing at home and stuff like that uh, for the wild card, to me, like, is far preferable to the one-game thing. And it gives you a chance. Like, if you can't win two out of three games at home, like, obviously, again, it's stupid. All kinds of weird things can happen during that. But, like, it at least makes it fairer. I do think reseeding makes some sense. Uh, 
but I also feel like, you know, I'm, I'm just sort of trying to get used to the fact that a bunch of dumb stuff's going to happen instead of trying to find a way to make less of it happen, because I just don't know that that's anything that any person could do. What's the other idea? The second part came from Buster Olney. He said, allow them to choose a buy or not. All would choose the buy. And then pick the two other playoff teams to be on their side of the bracket. Does that seem like a lot of work to you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's the part. That I, I guess that, like, if you're trying to make it so that the Dodgers and the Yankees go to the World Series, then like you could just ask them what they want. You know, like yeah. I just I think that at that point when you're so clearly trying to sort of I, this is the part of it that I, I keep trying to, like, find a way to say that doesn't sound, like, not, like, hectoring, but also not, like, too abstracted. Like, if you start the postseason with the goal in mind that the teams with the most wins will make it to the World Series, then you can design it to make that easier. You can't do anything to make it definitely happen, short of, like, going back to the 1950s, and it's just you know, the Astros and the Dodgers play each other in the World Series two days after the season ends and everybody else goes home. I just don't think that, like, that's worth it to me. Like, I've had a great time watching these games. Not all of them. Some of the ones uh, the ones that involved the Mets, I didn't really get a whole lot out of, if I'm being <laughs> honest. But the fact that we got through to this point where you've got these janky teams, like, I watched a lot of the Phillies this year. Like, they're not good. And yet, right now, they are incredibly good. And if you told me that you know, it was a coin flip for them to win the World Series, I would say, sure. Like, this is this is the fun part of October. It's just annoying that, uh, you know, all of the teams that I think were best uh, and might have been funnest to watch are not there. But instead, everybody gets to watch, uh, you know, Bryson Stott. That's pretty fun, right? Hey, he's from Las hey, Vegas. He's from Vegas. I know, very, I know. He's part of the, uh, the Bryce Harper. Like, <laughs> there's this weird, like, the Vegas uh, baseball landscape. There's, like, guys that I know of, they're sort of outside that orbit, but like Stott and Harper have like a personal connection, right? Yeah, yes. Stott went to yes. UNLV and Harper uh, went to CSN, a small college here, when he was like 16 years old and played college baseball. So, yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, I can't really be that mad at the Phillies. They're not, obviously, uh, <laughs> if you had to pick one undeserving NL East team to make it to the NLCS, <laughs> I could make some other suggestions. But uh, as it is, like, it's been fun to watch them. All right, will there be a goose land on the field in the NLCS, and if not, are the Padres screwed? <laughs> I think that at this point with the Padres, like I'm, I'm willing to pretty much uh, put it all on any sort of waterfowl. Like if there's some sort of natural element to all of this that I don't understand, that actually would explain a lot of it. They, especially they're like they are good, right? Like that's a good roster. I still don't necessarily get it. Like, but I, you know, I'm not supposed to get it. Like, this is the idea of like being an expert on baseball is the sort of thing that means that I observe that the Dodgers are good. And then when they lose, I'm like, huh, like that's about the level of expertise that I, and I think anybody else has on this. So on the idea that baseball's dumb, the Braves won the world series without Ronald Acuna last year. If the Padres win the world series without Fernando Tatis this year, um, maybe they should go back to just having the NL and AL's best teams play each other at the end of the year. Yeah, I feel like that's a. I'd have to like write a handwritten apology to Bill Simmons for making fun of the Ewing theory at that point. I feel like two years in a row in Major League Baseball, you got to admit that the guy was maybe on to something. <laughs> but doing it without, yeah, I mean, we've had some conversations at work because it's like none of us, you know, we've got some Yankees fans and we got some Dodgers fans at Defector. The uh, they're you know, alternately stressed and and pretty unhappy about it. 
But I think that, like, if you want to say that you go back to the 1950s style World Series, like, I wouldn't necessarily mind that. And then these other teams are all in a tournament for some other thing. Like, if you want to get, like, European soccer on it. I just feel like at this point, like, you have to accept. And I think it's actually healthy in some ways that if you're, like, a Dodgers fan or a Mets fan or a Braves fan, that you just, like, even if you watch your team win all year and gas yourself up about how good they are, like, you should um, learn to accept pain. I think that that's like this is a it can be a valuable, teachable moment if you want about the power of geese, about the power of the Ewing theory, any of this. I mean, there's there's much to learn. Do you think you you said the ninety nine wins in the last ten years, which is pretty remarkable? But they get to the playoffs, another the one World Series. He's always questioned about his handling of pitches. Could you actually see a guy with 111 wins get fired as a manager? I mean, should they cons- when do you start considering that, no matter how good you are in the regular season, when you just can't get it done in the postseason? It's, uh, like, really a weird, like, thing to even have this conversation, but I think it's absolutely a thing you have to talk about. I feel like the handling of the pitchers, to me, like, I was especially thinking about this in the last game with Tyler Anderson. Right. That... So they took him out. He had like 85 pitches or 88 pitches or something like that. And it was, he was cruising. I mean, he looked great. And even on the broadcast, they were like, this is how the Dodgers do it. Like they always want to like five and dive with these guys and get into the bullpen. And it was like the first moment that you really saw like the cracks in the bullpen, that like sort of middle bit of it, Alex Vezia and like those guys. And I understand, you know, that the, I mean, all of that is basically, like, whether that's Robert's preference or not, it's also clearly the sort of thing where people say, people just use analytics as, like, the stand-in for an annoying thing that happens in a game that they didn't like. But in this case, the idea is that, like, most pitchers, their third time through the order, are not as effective. And so if you're playing the percentages in that, you would take Tyler Anderson out, even though he's pitching great, even though he could probably give you another inning. And you get into your bullpen so that you could do matchup stuff. And... Whether Roberts wants to do that or not, the way in which he does it and the consistency with which he does it leads me to believe that it comes from the front office, that this is basically he is there to implement a plan that comes from the analytics department or that comes from you know the GM's office. And so to a certain extent, blaming him for it is like, it's great for Andrew Friedman, but it is not necessarily fair. I also think, though, that like somebody has to be willing to reexamine that. Because not necessarily, you know, because it's a fluky one outcome, you know, thing where it's like, I mean, this has happened in previous postseasons. I just feel like if you're not giving the manager the leeway to leave a guy in when he's pitching that well because the numbers suggest that it's not the right move, then to a certain extent, it doesn't matter who's the manager then. But also, like, that is as much an overcorrection on the part of the front office to me as it would be uh, an over, you know, a bit of overwork on the manager's part to pull a guy too soon. And I, I trust that the Dodgers, because they're the best organization in American professional sports right now, I'm assuming they're going to be working on this. I don't know what role Roberts really would play in it other than, you know, scapegoat. All right, David, that was too serious of a kind of an interview. Yeah, Next sorry. Time. Let's talk about something yeah. dumb. Yeah, yes. we, we got to go to break. Next time we'll talk about, I don't know, Jordan Alvarez hitting balls into space and stuff like that. Um, he's David Roth from Defector. Uh, thanks, yeah. David. Thanks, thanks, David. David. Awesome. I'll bring some dumber stuff next week. My apologies. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> Have a good one. See so there's David Roth. Um, yeah, baseball players. How do you feel about being uh, eliminated but also called the best professional organization in North American sports? Hollow at this point. <laughs> Coming up next, the Golden Knights play the Flames tonight.
Well, I mean, we're, uh, you know, we're, we're going to play well. That's the game plan. Uh, they're, they're probably the heaviest team we'll have played. Um, I expect a lot of pucks behind us, so our puck retrievals breakouts going to have to be clean. Uh, going to have to get some holdups, um, good proper support, transition well. It's always a lively barn, lively board, so be on our toes. Um, but again, it's, it's a good test um, early in the year to, to see the teams that were in the playoffs last year and to see where we're at against them. Uh, we saw L.A., Seattle had been playing better, um, and, and uh, good road wins there, so that, that's the plan. We're back to the Press Box Morning Show with Ed Greeny and Tyler Bischoff. The Golden Knights play the Calgary Flames tonight. Uh, Bruce Cassidy kind of alluded to it. A good test early in the season. So far, Golden Knights are 3-0-0, but they've played L.A., who probably should be decent, and then Chicago and Seattle, who are probably going to be terrible. I think Carolina beat Seattle like 5-1 to last yes, night, too. Yes, they did. Um, so not the uh, most difficult start to the season. Do you think... Uh, we should put sort of more stock into this game tonight against Calgary as a sort of test for where Vegas truly is. I mean, I'm more interested in this game than anyone so far. So kind of want to see how they do against this kind of team, but I don't know how much stock you put into the fourth game of a year, but right. you know, I mean, I, I want to see it because this is the, I mean, the Kings of the, I get the Kings because they went to the playoffs last year. I don't know how, really how good they are, but I want to see this more than any other game so far. Yeah. And it's, like, they're going to play Calgary and then Winnipeg's in there, but then they also get Colorado and Toronto right. are their next four. Although Toronto lost to Arizona. It did happen. So. Yeah, maybe not. So maybe I can't say that the next four Colorado. Are, are a pretty good test for where this team is. The, the part that I'm curious about is, are we talking about the Golden Knights as a playoff contender or are we talking about the Golden Knights as a cup contender? Because their season could go in either one of those directions. They could be a team that's simply fighting to get into the postseason, or they could be a team that goes deep into the postseason. comfortably in and should go deep in the postseason. And so far, I mean, everything we've seen through three games, I'd say this team this team is closer to cup contender than just playoff contender. But again, it's three games, and and two of those teams are are going to be pretty bad. The next four will be sort of a more fun test or a, or a yeah. better test. And I'll be honest with you. Better gauge. If they lose to Calgary, that's not the big deal. It's more about do they get completely blown out? Do they right. get outshot by 20, right? It, like, or do we walk away tomorrow, tomorrow on the show? Are we talking about, oh, the Calgary had 65% Corsi and 65% expected goals? If that's the case, then the Golden Knights didn't belong on the same ice as Calgary. Or... Is it a 50-50 game? And even if Calgary... Or do they win? Right. And even if Calgary wins the 50-50 game, all right, you played with Calgary. Even though you lost the game, you sort of showed you can play with them. And again, like you said, it's game four of an 82-game schedule, so we're not going to dive completely off the deep end in one way or the other, but it just feels like a good test to see where Mm -hmm. this team is. Um, The other part on this, the goaltending, they've gotten pretty good goaltending so far this year. Aiden Hill made one uh, start and was good. Who do you think starts tonight? Logan Thompson. You think so? Yes. Is it going to be? I as, think it's going to be two to three to one. I was going to say, is it going to be as simple as like two to three to one? Thompson plays two. Aiden Hill plays one. Thompson plays two. Three. Aiden Hill plays one. Yeah, he or plays three. One. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's Logan Thompson tonight. Do you think Cassidy would break that for specific games? Like oh, you mean just matchups because they're better teams, right? Like ah, he like or he, worse teams. Yeah. Either way, like he thinks Logan Thompson's should go Colorado and Calgary, goalie. right? What, do you think he'd break that, or do you think it's it's early? It's eighty-two games. We're I just mean, gonna... unless he breaks his 
word that it's already decided through October. Yeah. Well, and he, he might do that. I mean, he, he might have sat down and said, hey, we're going to do 2 1 2 1, but hey, here's a big matchup, so we're going to break the yeah, 2 Yeah, he might have looked one. at the schedule. Might have already said decided this is what that. we want. He already decided yeah. that, you know, if 2 1 falls in Colorado and he wants Logan Thompson, then he'll play Logan Thompson right. in his Colorado. So that's the part that I, I think is interesting. And then the other thing, we talked about this a little bit yesterday with uh, Lindsay. What happens when the Ron Brassois comes back? Who seems to be closer than we first thought, right? I mean, well, he was Mc- on the ice last week. Yeah. Well, McCrimmon said, was that a week ago that they were looking at mid October, which, I mean, it's October it's 18th. almost mid October. This is mid October right now. So I'm guessing Laurent Brossois got the ability to be back sometime in the near future. And, and to me, the, the curious part is what do you do and how much do you believe in what you've seen so far this season? Like, if let's say Logan Thompson plays well again tonight against Calgary. He will have played three games, have been pretty good to great in all of them. Do you believe that, right? That, hey, Logan Thompson is really good. Same with Aiden Hill, who's only played one game so far this year. Do you believe that he's as good as he was in that one game? Or you say, hey, Laurent Brossois is better. See you later, Aiden Hill. Like, I'm just curious what they do with this goalie spot because I asked Bruce Cassidy about it last week. He said, well, we could carry three, but that's not an ideal situation. It so, won't be, I don't think, uh, like you said, I don't think they'd send Logan Thompson down at right. this point. I mean, he's just been too good. The way Bruce Cassidy has talked about it, Logan Thompson is his starting goal. It's his starting goal. He wants Logan Thompson to be the number one guy. So if it's Bruce Cassidy's decision, Logan Thompson is on this team for the entire season. But we've seen this front office do things before. I'm not going to be shocked. It'll be a wrong move, but I won't be shocked if Logan Thompson got sent down.